Second Samuel chapter 18 in your Bibles, verse 19. Second Samuel chapter 18, verse 19. And we're looking at a, just a thought this morning. I want to, to stick in your mind as we worship God. You know, the worship is not in the sermon, by the way. The worship is, when worship is when we as a people, we worship through your testimony, through your prayer um, sharing, through your singing, through, um, that's worship. And that's how our early church began, an apostolic church. That's how the early Seventh-day Adventist movement worshiped. And that's the direction we are going here in, Adventist, in the Honokai Adventist church. Second Samuel chapter 18, verse 19 to 23. Um, we're looking at evangelism. Now, evangelism is very important, and we need to do it. But I want us to look at the order, the chronological order, what God wants us to do in order to do evangelism. There's actually steps that comes before we do evangelism and save souls. And we're looking at 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 19, and verse 223. But before that, let's, let's pray. Father, please send your Holy Spirit to open our eyes to see your character of love. In Jesus' name, amen. 2 Samuel chapter 18, verse 19. This is when Absalom rebelled against the kingdom. You remember that? And he went and he chased his father out of, um, out of Jerusalem. And, he was, and he, the father, David, King David escaped his kingdom for his life and ran for his life. And his own son took the kingdom, did some horrible things with his wives, and then went after David, King David, and then it came to the final battle where they're going to fight, where Absalom and his warriors were going to fight against King David and his faithful warriors, which were experienced soldiers. And they came in finally to this battle. And Absalom had way more soldiers and way more men than King David. King David had very few, but he had, he had a, um, very loyal warriors with him who knew what it was to fight. And so with his very few warriors, King David won the battle against his rebellious son Absalom and all the hundreds of thousands of soldiers that came up against him. And then Joab had two messengers. The first messenger was Ahimaaz, and the second was um, Cushi. So it says here in verse 19, Then said Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, Let me now run and tell the, the king the good news, how that the Lord has avenged him of his enemies. In other words, let me run. I've been to the battle. Let me run. But the problem with Ahimaaz was that he did not have the full story. He did not see the news that King David wanted to hear, especially about his son Absalom, what happened to him. And Joab said unto him, the first person who's bearing the good news, he said, was, wanted to bear the good news. You will not bear tidings this day, but thou shalt not bear tidings, you shall bear tidings another day. But this day you will bear no tidings because the king's son is dead. Verse 21. Then said Joab to Cushi, the second messenger. So he, this one guy said, I want to go, I want to go. And Joab said, no, you cannot go. Then Joab, the leader, turned to Cushi and he said to Cushi, go tell the king what you have, what? Seen. See, him as he wanted to go, but he did not see. He did not experience what was before him. He did not know at all. See, know, understand, experience. He had no experience to give. 
But Cushy, he said, go tell what you have seen, what you have heard, what you have known. Tell what, just tell what you know. I want you to go tell the king what you have seen. And Cushy bowed down himself unto Joab in respect and reverence, and he ran. Then in 22, then said Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok, yet again to Joab. The second time the messenger said, I want to go, Joab. I want to tell a message. I want to do evangelism. I want to go. But howsoever, let me, I pray thee, also run at the cushy. And Joab said, why for will you run, my son, seeing that you have no good news ready? Hmm. You have no good news. In other words, you don't have the deep experience that's needed. You don't have it in your heart of an experience down deep inside your soul. You don't have it. You have a lot of words. You have a lot of intellectual assent. You have a lot of knowledge. But there's no life-transforming experience that you've seen. You have not seen Jesus and it has not transformed your life. It has not changed you. I want to go, Joab. Please let me go. Verse 23 says, But howsoever said he, a third time he said, Let me run. And then Joab said unto him, Run. Go ahead, run. And then Ahimaaz ran by the way of the plain, and he overran what? Cushy. So Cushy went off first. Joab sent him over. And then it says here that Ahimaaz ran and he overtook Cushy and they surpassed him. And then he ran into the King David out there. And King David was waiting for some good news. You know, there's something about um, good news and good tidings. And he's waiting for it. Finally, they say they see him out there. Verse 27. Notice the Bible says, And the watchman said, Me, I, I, me think it the running of the, the one in front is like the running of Ahimaaz, the son of Zadok. And the king said, What? He's a good man. He wasn't supposed to go, but he's a good man. In other words, he's such a good man. He must have something good to share with us, right? And comes with good tidings. In other words, he, upon his, his goodness, he was a good man. He had something to share. But it says, verse 28, it says, And Himaz called and said unto the king, All is well. And he fell down to the earth upon his face before the king and said, Blessed be the Lord your God, which has delivered up the men that lifted up their hand against my lord, the king. And then it says in verse 29, the king said, is a young man Absalom safe? In other words, that he wanted to know one thing. There's only one thing that was going to fulfill the longings of his heart, the longings of his soul. He had only one question he wanted to ask. And Ahimaaz answered, when Joab sent the king's servant and me your servant, I saw a great tumult, but I didn't know what it was. In other words, he couldn't answer the deep longings of this person's soul out there. You know, there's going to be many people out there that want to know a question that, can, that will answer the deep hurtings of their heart, the deep longings of their soul. And if you have not experienced, first of all, the love of God in your heart, you will not be able to share the deep longings and give the answer to the deep longings of people's hearts out there. And then he... The king answered, he knew, he didn't know what it was. And notice what it says in verse 30. And the king said unto him, turn aside and stand here. And he turned aside and stood still. In other words, you, he was not called. And when he went ahead 
without seeing and experiencing the love of God in the heart and the transforming, transforming power of the heart, the king said, turn aside here. He was useless. God, he could not be used as a means for God to use because he had not first experienced the transforming power of the love of God on the heart. And beloved, before we can share the message of God's love, we must first experience the love of God in our own hearts. What do you say, amen? How can we give that which we have not first received? God wants us to give, but you can only give what you receive. I can only teach my daughter um, how to fix the brakes if I myself know how to fix the brakes. What do you say, amen? I can't tell her to fix it if I don't know how to do it. I cannot share the love of God if I do not love God. True? Amen? I cannot share the answers of the... I cannot give the right answers of what the Holy Spirit would give if I'm not in tune to the Holy Spirit who gives the answers. What do you say? Amen? We must first have the Holy Spirit in our hearts. And that's what happened here. Uh, it says in this story, and then it says here in verse 31, And behold, Cushy came, and Cushy said, Tidings, my lord, the king, for the Lord has avenged thee this day of all them that rose against you. And the king said unto Cushy, Is a young man Absalom safe? This was the question he was wondering to know about. And Cushy answered, The enemies of my lord, the king, and all that rise against you do thee hurt, be as that young man is. In other words, he died, and the king was much moved. He went into his chamber. Beloved, if we're going to be used by God to move with the Holy Spirit working upon people's hearts, we must first have the power of God in our own lives. Turning me to Isaiah chapter 6. Let's look at this story here. Isaiah chapter 6 in the Bible. Verse 1. This is Isaiah. Now, we, we normally look at Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. And it says here in verse 8, Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, whom will I send? Who will go for us? Then said, said I, here am I, send who? Okay, you know that, right? But I want you to notice, before the call went out, there were four things that happened before Isaiah heard the call and said, here am I, Lord, send me. In other words, before he went out to do evangelism, to save souls, to reach other people, to save their wives, to save their husbands, to save their children, to save their neighbors, their co-workers, the community, to even the church members, before they were able to, to go out and save, before Isaiah even said, I want to go out and save these people, something happened before. Notice what happens in verse 1. Let's back up then, seven verses. Verse 1, the Bible says, In the year that King Uzziah died, I, what? Saw the Lord. In other words, King Uzziah was a spiritual king. He was a spiritual leader. And this spiritual leader was there. Along the spiritual leader was there and everything was going fine. Then along the spiritual person or spiritual leader within the area or the church, then they got it and I can cruise and kick back and relax, right? And so Isaiah was such like that, that they, were, they got it, it's okay, the church is okay, the home is okay, they're spiritual. And what happens is that God allowed King Uzziah to be taken away because when you, King Uzziah was taken out of the eyesight of the, the vision of his, Isaiah, the Bible says, then the Bible says, Isaiah then saw the Lord. Amen? Sometimes we have to be taken into situations where we're uncomfortable. 
Sometimes we'll be put into situations where we're not used to it. And when we're put in these situations that we're not used to, we're uncomfortable, then we turn upon God. When there's no one else to depend upon spiritually around us, then we have to turn to a God directly. We know intermediary between God and us. What do you say, amen? And God called to Isaiah. And Isaiah was not able to see the Lord. It says, until King Uzziah died. Who's your King Uzziah in your life? What is holding you back with you with a direct relationship with God this morning? Then it says here in verse 2, it says here in verse 1, Sitting upon a throne high and lifted up, and his train filled a temple. Above it stood the seraphims. Each one had six wings. With two he covered his face, with two he covered his feet, and two he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his what? What is God's glory? His character. His character of what? Love. In other words, the next step, sometimes we need to go through trials and hardships. King Uzziah passed away. We have to go through hardships first, and that situation shakes us up a little bit, and then we're more open, the environment's more open to see the character of God's love. Before that time, Isaiah was not open to seeing God's love. Yeah, it's nice to talk about God's love, but he, was, he wasn't open so much. But the situation called for a change of circumstances where he was now his heart was more soft, more open, and he was willing to look and see God's character of love. Thus a trial came first, and then the second thing. You know, trials are God's blessings in disguise. What do you say, amen? God allows the the foolish things of the world to confound the wise and he uses things we wouldn't expect to be a greatest blessing to us. Then it says here, verse 4, And the post of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke, it says. In verse 5 it says, And then said I, this is the third step, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips, for mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. The next step is that when we see God's character of love, it does something to you and I. It shows our wickedness. It shows our iniquity, our sins. And it shows when we see our sins, then we become humble. And it's when we're humble and we're weak, then we are strong. What do you say, Amen. So before Isaiah was able to see, now these are steps that happened before he went. He first went into a situation that he was uncomfortable in. The next step, he was then open to seeing God's character of love. He wanted to see it because of the situation. He turned to God. And because he turned to God and saw God's character, to his character, he saw his sinful life, how wicked he was. He said, woe is me, I am undone. He was humbled. Not depending upon himself anymore, but depending upon God. And then verse 6 says, Then number 4, this is the fourth step. Then flew one of the angels unto me, the seraphims, having a live coal in his hand, which was taken from, with tongs off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this has touched your lips, and your iniquity is taken away, and your sin purged. In other words, the, the fourth step is this. After we see our wickedness, we turn to God and God forgives us of our sins. He cleanses us. In other words, we have an experience with God, a true transformation of character, and God blesses us. And then it says in verse 8, Then after these four things, 
Then also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Who will I send and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. Beloved, we need to save our family. What do you say, amen? We need to save our children. We need to save our own wives, possibly, our own husbands. We need to save our neighbors, our co-workers, right? We need to save every single one person out there. But until we come to the point in our experience that we have seen and known and experienced the transforming power of God's love in your life and my life, we will be powerless. What do you say, amen? Why do you think our churches are so powerless today? I believe our churches are so powerless because we have no power, which is the Holy Ghost. When there is so much dependence upon what we can do, and we can do a lot, can we not? We have so much programs, we have so much money, we can do, we can do a lot of things today. But one thing that we cannot, we cannot do, and that is that we cannot save people's souls unless we are dependent upon the power of the Holy Ghost. What do you say, amen? And we are, we are impotent as a church today. We do not have the power of the Holy Spirit because we're not humble enough. We need to be humble, church. You know, many times, you know, God is blessed. I think about the ministry. God is blessed in so many ways, and I think my ministry, God is blessed. But you know, when it becomes, I think of past when I becomes, we become successful in the crusade we did, and people got baptized. You know what the tendency is? Wow, we did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. You know, next time it'll be better because we're so good at this already. Does that creep in sometimes? I've heard that many times. I've said that. But there's a danger in saying that. When we depend upon ourselves that we're so good at doing something, we depend so much less upon the Holy Spirit. We need to depend, depend far more upon what God can do and far less upon what we can do. What do you say, amen? And when we come to that point where we're humble, and God's going to take you to circumstances. If you're not humble, guess what? I've been there many times. I've been this morning thinking about my ministry. God really put me through a lot in ministry in a short amount of time. You know, as a young pastor, a lot. But you know what? Those, those trials that I went through have been the greatest blessings in my life. I can see that the hardships had maybe depend more upon God to be more humble. I remember I was a very prideful, prideful, prideful person before. Very prideful. Arrogant. Obnoxious. And God had to use the trials as a minister to, I call it, loamy, loamy my heart, yeah? Soften it up. And when he does that to you, your life changes. And I'm realizing more and more that that's what God's church needs more. He needs, he needs people who experience the trials in life to be truly humble. And you know, I know God's not done with some of you, you yet. He's still working with you. And you know what? If you really pray for it, he'll bring it. Don't worry. The question is, can you handle it? And when he brings it to your life, he's going to bring it. He's going to, that, that's going to bring humility in your life. And when we as a church are humble, the Holy Spirit is going to fall upon this church. Because we're not depending upon what man can do, but we're going to give glory all to God who deserves it. What do you say, amen? And we're going to, when there's a generation in our church who finally is not taking any glory to themselves, or not worry about how great I preach or I'll teach or whatever, when there's a generation that's more concerned about giving glory to God than ourselves, God's going to pour out His Spirit and the work's going to finish. What do you say, amen? And we need that today. We need humble people. The success of this church is dependent upon, I believe, one word, humility. Why? 
Because humility determines whether who gets the glory, whether it's you or whether it's God. If we are humble people, God will get the glory. And God deserves the glory because He's so good for what He's done for you. What do you say? Amen? And when we see that goodness, it's going to soften our hearts, humble our hearts. There's too much arrogancy and prideness in our church. And God's going to humble us. That's why we're told inspiration in the last days. God in the last days is going to work out of the common order of things. That's contrary to all human planning. In other words, man's not going to get the glory for all the planning. God's going to, get the, God's going to take the reins into his own hands, and he's going to get all the credit, and all the people in all the universe will say, honor and glory will be given to him, right, who rule it forever. That's who's going to get the glory. That's who deserves the glory. No man deserves And all flesh is as grass, amen? As withered away, the Bible says. Blessed is a man that trusted in, in God, but curses is a man that trusted in man. We need, to, we need to trust more in what God can do, far less what we can do. And when that happens in our church, God's going to be poured out in a powerful way. I want that. How about you? Amen? You know, I... We need revival, huh? We need reformation. You know, God needs humble people. He doesn't need not many great people, not people who are so talented and gifted and all these things. Not because you have degrees. That don't mean nothing. God wants people who are surrendered to him, who are just willing to, to surrender their lives and God, see what God can do through them. God can do great things through, through you if you would believe. Do you believe this morning is my question. I believe. How about you? Amen? Amen. A closing song. Will you please stand? Sing hallelujah. Same people come up. Are we sing this song? We all sing this song.